The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello everyone, it's Dr. Doug Birch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. On today's show, I'm going to talk about Christian escapism. Now, sometimes we try to pray away what God actually wants us to walk through, or what God has allowed us to walk through. The Bible is full of stories of God allowing really difficult things to happen to really good people. How do we live in a life where trauma, trials, struggles, problems happen on a daily basis, and instead of God removing them, he asks us to prepare for them and to walk through them on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Back to the show. I'm Dr. Doug Birch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm so glad you could join us. On today's show, I'm going to talk about escapism, Christian escapism. Sometimes even comes in the form of trying to pray away what God asks us to walk through. Uh, but before we do that, we got some housekeeping. Uh, one, if you want to text the show, here's the number: 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. It is radio. I am legally obligated to say the number three times. That's 360-818-4513. Now, some of you hear that number and you think it's for someone else, but my friends, it's for you. I'm not going to sign you up for any list. I'm not going to spam you. You're not going to get calls about no interest loans from me. That's not what this is about. I just literally would like you to interact with me and the show. In fact, the reason I got this number is when I first started doing the show, I didn't have a number for this show. And someone went through the phone book, found the church. I guess there's no phone book anymore, is there? There's a phone book out there somewhere. I guess people still need to sit on something when they have haircuts. But somebody searched uh, the internet to find the church that I pastor, called our church phone just to complain about what an awful job I was doing. Uh, the woman who answers those uh, <laughs> those voicemails, she came to me in this really polite way, and she's like, oh, somebody just left a terrible message on uh, the machine. I don't know if we have a machine or whatever, on the voicemail. And she said, it was so terrible. Like, I just didn't want you to hear it, so I just deleted it. <laughs> and I, I thought a couple things. I thought, that's very sweet of you. Uh, but I thought, I don't want to make her to have to go through all those terrible messages. And also, yeah, I don't mind hearing it. So with that, I set up a number so you can either leave voicemails, hopefully not for terrible messages, but just so you can interact with the show. Uh, so you can text us, 360-818-4513. I'd love to do a show where I just answer your questions. So if you have a question, a practical question you'd like me to address on the show, that'd be great. I'm not going to do some theological minutia kind of thing or some inflammatory thing, but just you know, some practical thing that's been on your heart. Doug, I'd like you to address this in the show, then text that, 360-818-4513, 360-818-4513, or you can leave a voicemail as well. That's why I have the number. Uh, also, you can go to the website, fairlyspiritual.org. You can find past podcasts, uh, other materials there, how to purchase my book, uh, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor, and most importantly, when it comes to keeping this show on this radio station, you can find out how to donate 
Uh, we are not supported by our church. I don't have the church pay to have this go on the air. If you know, notice, I don't promote the church I serve. I'm even saying the church I serve because I just, I, I, this is not to build my church. This is, I'm trying to follow the Lord, facilitate a better dialogue on Christian radio, in podcast, in any kind of media form to try to just be uh, a, a good steward of the message God has given me. And so with that, if you want a programming like this to be on this station, uh, it comes from your donation. And uh, it doesn't come from, we don't have some giant benefactor out there. Um, I have some family members and friends who are helping out. But it really comes from you saying, Doug, I really appreciate what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I, I uh, some of you have listened to many podcasts. And maybe you can say, yeah, I can send $25 your way. That. That seems like uh, not, not like you're you're paying for the amount, but like you know, I've pro- provided how many hours for you, how many half an hours. If there's something there where you're saying, yeah, I, th- I think I, I want to keep this on the radio. I want to get this to other people. You know, we don't just do podcasts because podcasts sometimes are people will seek out a podcast and they'll seek out who they already like and who they already agree with. Radio is a little different because with radio right now, there's people listening who don't like me, who don't agree with me, who are just stumbling upon the show. And that's a different dynamic. And the evangelist in me likes that. I like the fact that it's not just people who, you oh, this is the podcast I like and I subscribe to it and this is the person I want to hear from. It kind of forces us to interact with content and people that we might not normally interact with. So I enjoy being on radio and also being in podcast form. So if you want to keep this show on the radio particularly uh, and to help in the production of it, then go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. Uh, we have as low as $25 you can donate. You can certainly donate more, but every gift matters greatly. Okay, that's the housekeeping part of the show. So I want to talk about uh, Christian escapism, and if you think I'm just talking about other people, I'm talking about me too. Sometimes I'm living in this fantasy of how I want life to be versus how life is. But I was looking at some scripture in Acts. Uh, our church has been going through the book of Acts, and I've been just enjoying it immensely and, and learning. Just I, I hope to be a lifelong learner. And as I was going through uh, this section, this just struck me. In Acts eleven twenty seven, there's a, a prophecy given, and the, the prophet is Agabus. Agabus is a great name to say. Agabus, say it with me in the car. Agabus, you didn't. Why don't you just say it if you're walking, driving, whatever you're doing? Agabus. I don't know why we don't name more kids Agabus. <laughs> you know, Aga, that'd be a cool name. Anyway, Agabus the prophet, he's mentioned a couple times in Acts, and he uh, prophesies with certainty that there's going to be a famine in basically the, the known Roman world. And um, look at the scholars for the dates of this, and there's, there's some debate, so I, I'm not going to say definitively this is exactly when it happened. But basically, it seems like it either is going to come a year from the point of this prophecy, a year to five years from that prophecy, depending upon, uh, or even a year to 10 years, depending upon the different historians. But there is a prophecy that there is going to be a famine that's going to take over the region. And so because of that, uh, Paul and Barnabas begin to take up an offering preparing for people who will be impacted by the famine. Now, when we read through that, we kind of just go, well, that's great. You know, they, they took this offering. And it is great because that, that offering helped unite the tensions that existed in the church. You know, there was a bit of tension between the Gentiles becoming Christians and the, the Jews who became Christians. And there, there was just, you know, there was a bit of tension there. And so they all united in this sense, or were supposed to unite in the sense of 
let's take an offering to help the poorest amongst us, those who are really most affected by the famine that is coming. But there's something that we sometimes pass over that I think is pretty profound here. They hear about a famine, and their response is, well, we need to prepare for it. Their response isn't, well, let's just pray against that famine. Let's just pray that it rains. I was just reading through the book of James, and you know we have prophets in the Old Testament who prayed for rain, right? Who, who the weather changed based on their prayers. James uses that as an example of the kind of prayer life we're supposed to have. And here they get this prophecy that a famine is coming, and instead of praying that, well, all the Christians will not be impacted by the famine. All the Christians, their crops will grow. Their, their sheep are, well, you know, their goats and sheep, they'll have plenty, they'll be healthy while the rest aren't healthy. They don't pray to escape this famine. They don't pray that the famine would not happen. They just prepare. This is a fascinating concept because often, and I believe God does miracles and signs and wonders, so I'm not saying we aren't supposed to pray against things. I'm not saying we're not supposed to pray for healings and deliverance and for changes. And the, and, you know, the New Testament and Acts is full of those miracles as well. But there's this mystery, right, that for every release from prison, there's also something terrible that happens. I was just reading about, uh, you know, Peter is released from prison, uh, but before that, uh, you have James, the brother of John, one of the disciples, had been um, murdered. So one is murdered and the other is released. And, and I'm bringing this up today because I think sometimes uh, we are living an escapist life when the Lord is saying, I have revealed to you what's coming. And it doesn't seem easy. But instead of running away from it, instead of suppressing it, instead of praying against it, I want you to prepare for it and to trust me. I see the same thing. It's fascinating if you look a little later, and you can think of your own examples, uh, but in Acts 21, 11, the same uh, prophet, Agabus, everyone say his name, Agabus, great name. I still think more kids should be named Agabus. But anyway, Agabus, uh, you're saying, well, why don't you name your kids Agabus? Okay, it's a little awkward there. But Agabus does another prophecy, and this is over Paul. And he goes to Paul, and he removes Paul's belt, and Agabus takes that belt, and Agabus wraps his own hands and his own feet and binds himself, and he says, this is what's going to happen to Paul, that Paul's going to be handed over in Jerusalem uh, to the Jews, actually to the Gentiles, and he's going to be, you know, bound. And everybody begins to weep, and they get this prophecy again from Agabus about this terrible thing that's coming, and they plead with Paul not to go. Again, that's the issue, right? Well, we got this warning from God, so clearly God wants it to stop. He warned us so we don't have to walk through it. He warned us so it won't happen. Let's pray that this won't happen. Let's pray, let's just move in the other direction. But Paul takes this warning as, okay, I'm still going to walk through it. I'm going to be bound. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be imprisoned, but I'm going to walk through it. That's a different kind of faith. It's not escapism. It's embracing. And, and I was thinking this for many of you listening right now, that I believe the Holy Spirit has shown you, God has shown you what is coming. Coming. He's given you, uh, sorry, I sound like Southern, what's coming? I mean, he, he's, he's shown you. He's shown you that, and, and here's just some examples. The Holy Spirit has shown you that your marriage is going to be difficult. That the person you're married to, there's going to be some divides there. 
that there's some big divides. That the way that person processes, the way your spouse processes the world is not the way you process the world. The way they think is not the way you think. Uh, there's literally biological differences where you don't process things the same way emotionally and intellectually. And because of that, it's going to be difficult. You might have a relational famine coming. And the Lord has warned you of that. And I believe the Lord's warned you of that to prepare you to say, okay, you need to be prepared. This is what you're going to walk through, so prepare yourself. As best as you know how, get the resources, uh, get people around you who understand. Prepare yourself for what is coming, but you're going to have to walk through that. But sometimes we don't want to walk through that. We just like, Lord, we'll just change my spouse and make them think differently and make them feel differently and make them act differently. And we get very frustrated when things don't change, when we still have to walk through the famine. Some of you have been clearly shown that uh, if you have children, that, that maybe one of your, your, your kids, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult. You're just not as attached. It's just, it's going to be hard. And again, it, it's, I think it's okay to pray that it isn't hard and to pray that you are attached. But I think there's also this reality where God has warned you of that, that this is difficult so you can prepare yourself, like you can learn the skills necessary to walk through that relationship, to know how to communicate with the child that it's harder to communicate with, to learn how to connect with the kid that it's harder to connect with, instead of just suppressing that knowledge or just trying to pray it away, to walk through it. Some of you know that about your own life. You're like, work is going to be difficult. This is going to be a hard life. This is going to be difficult financially. And instead of just, well, I'm just going to pray the right prayer and I'll have all the financial resources I need or I'll just get the better job or the better... Maybe God's preparing you to say, this is going to be difficult. Finances are always going to be difficult, so you have to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself for that famine. Do what is necessary in order to walk through it. I'll be with you, but you're going to have to walk through it. I think about this escapism when it comes to baptism. Um, if you do this in a pastor's group, if you get in a pastor's group, pastors will know what you're talking about. Sometimes I, I don't want to baptize people because sometimes people believe baptism is a get-out-of-jail card. It's a, everything's going to be better if I just get baptized. And so they go through this experience. Now, of course, when we get saved, a public confession of our faith is a powerful thing. It's appropriate. It's what Jesus called us to do. So there's this public confession of our faith through baptism. But sometimes people see baptism like this. They've really messed up. Uh, they've been uh, sinning in a way that it's been affecting relationships. You know, they've, they've been behaving in a way where it's harmed their marriage, their family, their friends, themselves. They're in a pit. They're in a bad place. And, and this, these aren't bad motivations that they, they want to get out of that place. And so they turn to Jesus. Or, or they're a Christian, but they haven't been living for Jesus. And so they're like, you know, I want to get baptized. I want to recommit my life to Jesus, right? And so they see baptism as this starting over that's going to fix everything. And this has happened frequently, and you could talk to other pastors on this, that sometimes you'll baptize someone and you never see them again, or you barely see them again. They go into the baptismal waters, they come out, and then they just go right back to the life that they were living. Or they use it as some sort of get-out-of-jail card, and they hope it fixes everything, but then they go into the week, and they still have a temper they have to deal with. 
and they still have addiction they have to deal with because maybe they haven't been using for a while and and they did they were baptized by the water but they're not dealing with the addiction that has affected their brain and their body and their chemistry and because they're unwilling to go to a recovery group whether it be christian or non-christian because they're unwilling to and they just don't want to have to walk through what they're going to have to walk through they just go back into the behaviors that they went to before they were baptized They see baptism as that magical get-out-of-jail card. And I'll remind people, I'll remind them, this is a wonderful public confession of your faith, but ultimately it's you're being baptized into a community, and within this community we can heal and we can grow and we can help one another. I'm not trying to to make you feel depressed about your existence. Like, well, Doug, this is no fun. You just say I'm going to go through all this trauma and... I shouldn't pray for miracles and signs and wonders. No, I'm not saying that. God God does amazing things. God heals. God restores. God changes chemistry. God changes the mind. God changes our affections. God heals our emotions. God heals our intellect. We can pray for so many different things. But I also know this, that in any relationship I'm in, in every relationship I'm in with people I really love, there are parts of that relationship where I need to embrace this reality that that person isn't going to change the way I want them to change. That person isn't going to heal the way I want them to heal. In any relationship, you come to this place, especially any deep relationship where someone has been entrusted to your care, you come to this place where instead of trying to fix them, instead of trying to change them, and even instead of trying to like just pray away something, you realize we're going to have to walk through this. Or we get to walk through this. And to walk through this, we're going to need to prepare our hearts. We can't pretend anymore that this isn't the reality of our life. That's a different kind of faith. We see here with the New Testament church, that in the book of Acts, there's these signs and these wonders and these miracles. And sometimes when people preach to the book of Acts, they just pick the miracles. They just pick when Peter is delivered from prison, but they don't talk about James being murdered. We preach about Jesus feeding the 5,000, but we don't talk about the New Testament church going through a famine. Both of these things existed. Yes, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are to pray for and to expect and to seek the hand of God to move mightily in our midst. But another way that the hand of God moves mightily in our midst is that we listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit by walking through what he has warned us is to come. I think there are people listening right now where if you take some time today to pray, The Lord is going to show you some things, confirm some things, where you know there are things you're going to need to walk through. For instance, in the context of um, your life, let's say if you're married and you know, you know, I'm called to be with this person. We are called to be, those vows meant something. We are called to be together until death do us part. But you realize that the way your spouse is, is made, is formed just biologically, whether it was the nurturing of when they were a kid or just how they are formed, whatever it is, or maybe it's you, you recognized how you are formed and how you exist, that there are things within you 
or within him or within her that are so profoundly different that you're going to face some trials. That there's no way around it. There's going to be times when your needs are not going to be met. And, and I could just give a list. It could be emotional needs that, that your spouse is not going to understand you emotionally. No matter how much you lecture, no matter even, you know, you should seek counseling if you can. You, you should seek help. You should seek prayer. But at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself in those positions where it's not enough. Now, you can pray against that famine, that deficit, that I wish that deficit wasn't there, or you can thank the Lord that God has already warned you, God has shown you, this is what you're going to walk through, so prepare yourself. Preparing oneself for a famine means prepare yourself so you don't starve. Find a way to get enough, you know, in, in that sense of the famine that we were talking about, it's, you know, get enough resource, money, help from others so that you don't starve so that you make it through the lean times. Well, that's what we do when we have an awareness like, I'm going to need help. You know, I'm, This part of my marriage is always going to be a struggle, so I'm going to prepare myself by maybe reading the right books that will help me walk through that or associating with people who understand what I'm going through, who can give me advice and counsel, reading scriptures and memorizing scriptures that encourage me how to walk through this situation when it occurs. Or we can live an escapist life and just pretend it's going to go away or just suppress it. I think the Holy Spirit is showing some of you, and, and there's, there's pastors listening right now where you see what's coming, and there's some things that are coming in your church that aren't good. And God's not going to remove them, but you can prepare yourself to walk through them. There's things that you see in this culture that aren't good, and God's not going to remove them, but you can prepare yourself to walk through them. There are all kinds of things going on in the world and we can be afraid and we can fight against them or we can embrace that Christ in us is greater than whatever we will confront and that nothing we confront will separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing will separate us. Famine will not separate us. Isn't that the vows we take even as like, you know, richer or poorer, sickness and health? It's a greater vow when it comes to God. Whether I have plenty of food or no food, Nothing can separate me from Christ and growing in the character of Christ. This might be kind of an odd show for some people today, but I, I just, hear me clearly. I pray for miracles and signs and wonders and deliverance. We pray for, for jobs for people who are jobless. We pray for healing in marriages. We pray, and I've seen people, I've seen personalities change. I've seen people grow in their emotional acuity, grow in their ability to connect. I'm not giving up on the ability for things to change. But I'm also asking you to embrace the fact that God has shown you things that are difficult. And instead of suppressing those things, would you embrace those things and say, Lord, okay, prepare me. Prepare me. You've showed me this. You've, this isn't because I don't have faith. This is because I do have faith that I'm opening my eyes and my ears to see the reality that I'm going to walk through. This is going to be difficult. But God, you're going to be with me. If you, as a pastor, are, praying, are, are preaching escapism all the time, could you kindly repent and realize that the gospel is more than escapism? It's not escapism, because every one of us are going to eventually die. This is not our final place. Eventually, there's eternal life in heaven with our Maker and our Creator through Christ Jesus. If you're only looking at the stuff where we get delivered and freed and escape 
the prison, uh, that ain't it. That ain't everything. We need a gospel that also reaches us in the prison when we're not released and the doors don't open where God can still find us and we can find God. Lord, I just pray right now for someone who's really hurting, who's going through some really difficult stuff, who's in the middle of the famine. I just pray in Jesus' name that you would give them comfort and assurance that you are going to walk with them through this, that you're with them, that you know them by name, and that you're going to prepare their hearts for next steps. And these next steps will lead to abundant life. Maybe not the way the, the world addresses it, but the way the scripture addresses it. Abundant life, your character growing in us, abundant life, your love, your grace, your kindness, your goodness flowing in us and through us for all eternity. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I appreciate it greatly. If you want to keep this show on the radio, I need you to donate today. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. If you've been listening to many of these shows, podcast form, radio form, please donate. Fairlyspiritual.org. Your kindness and generosity matters greatly. You can also text me 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. I listen to your voice messages and read your text. Make room for the Lord. He loves you dearly. We can walk through this together. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.